Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, and welcome to all of you here. And I also like what John just used, the YouTube-verse. That's a way better way to put that. Um, a couple of quick announcements. Um, today is Grace Nigley's birthday. And I don't see her in the building, I don't think. So if you're watching Grace, I just want you to know, happy birthday. My gift to you is that I will not sing. That is my gift. That would be terrible for um, pretty much everyone. But um, happy birthday, Grace. And thank you for everything you do around here. You're an amazing um, volunteer in person. And you're not just a blessing to me, but to this whole church. Um, also, we are starting um, up our giving again for Family Promise. Um, we're going to be holding this giving time um, up until February 14th, up until Valentine's Day. But almost every single time, every single time we've opened this up, Pete, you guys have just been overwhelming with your generosity. And so we know we'll do it again. But it's just a great time to be able to bless uh, some families and some other people in our communities. Um, this morning, Brian was actually supposed to preach, um, but he unfortunately is feeling under the weather. Um, it's not COVID, which is great. He tested negative for COVID, but, um, but he's still feeling a little bit um, under the weather. And unfortunately for you all, that means you're stuck with me. So I apologize that you don't get the, uh, they, they, had to, they had to call in the reliever. Um, but we are gonna be continuing this morning um, on this series on um, anxiety, on, on mental health and, and the hope that comes in the midst of even all of this stuff around us because we live in a world full of opportunities to be anxious. There's just so many ways to be anxious. I mean, with our economy, with our political climate, with a global pandemic, there are just ways to be anxious every single day. And so our hope in this series, our hope with things like this morning are to offer resources, tools, encouragement to be able to brace it, to be able to work through it, to notice some of the things in yourselves. And we've said this so many times, and we're gonna continue saying it because we mean it. Brian and I are not professionals. We are not professional counselors. We're not professional therapists. Um, that is not what we are trained for. I think we are pretty good listeners, although I'm about to talk for 20 minutes straight. Um, I, sometimes we give little pieces of good wisdom and advice, but we are not professionals. And so if you feel like you might need some professional help, we always encourage to go find that because you know, I personally like, would like to have a scope of reference to treat mental health similar to the way we treat kind of physical health. You know, if, if my brother a couple years ago like shattered his ankle, and if I looked at that and I just said, no, just like pray about it, get closer to God and it'll be fixed. And although I believe God could fix that in an instant, I also believe that he should go see a medical professional, <laughs> both and. And so if you feel like you may have, you know, metaphorically broken your mental health ankle, we would encourage you to go see um, a professional. That, uh, Brian has lots of great references um, I can get in contact too. But sometimes also when it comes to physical health, we just twist our ankle. We just twist it and we need to know what to do when we've twisted or hurt something because maybe we don't necessarily need professional help, but we need to know ways to still fix it and relieve it and work on it. Such as, you know, for a twisted ankle, you wanna ice it, elevate it, maybe heat too. Maybe I'm looking at doctors, I don't know, maybe this is completely wrong. You know, you, you, need, you need to know to stay off of it for a little while. So what are those signposts where you've maybe twisted your mental health ankle to know how do we ice it, elevate it, how do we work on it? And so that is, again, our hope this morning is that we just offer more tools to help give us ideas on how to pay attention, focus, feel encouraged, loved by God. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about this idea of contentment, this idea of being content. And I, I don't know about all of you, but for me, content was never a word that jumped out to me. It's not a word that when I read it, I just like am super excited and I jump on it. And I'm like, yes, I can't wait to just be content. I've always kind of felt it as like, kind of like a middling word. It's almost like a normal, like, ah, I'm not high, I'm not low. I'm just, I'm, I'm content, I'm good. 
Hey, are you gonna go for that next job? No, I'm, I'm content, I'm fine, it's okay. But I, I just think that's a really inappropriate way to view that word. I think the biblical authors make it very clear that being content is one of the best possible things that you can achieve. It's the, one of the greatest things you could possibly feel. I, I just for fun looked up just a basic definition of, of content in just a regular dictionary, and it says, a state of peaceful happiness. A state of peaceful happiness is how a regular just Webster's dictionary would define it. And I think in many ways, being content is sort of the antithesis, the opposite of anxiety, the opposite of anxiousness, the opposite of frustration, of anger. And so if we could be, in theory, perfectly content, hopefully we wouldn't be as anxious or frustrated. You know, content should be seen as, you know, one less bite of food and I'm hungry. One more bite of food and I got a stomachache. I am exactly where I want to be. I am perfectly satisfied. I am perfectly full. I am completely content. I don't want anything different than what I have. Contentment can be a really, really cool thing. And so we're going to be talking um, in the book of Philippians today because Paul is going to give us the secret to contentment, the way to be content in every single possible situation. And it sounds too good to be true, but a lot of stuff in the Bible does. Um, And so we are going to be... um, in Philippians, it's going to be on the screen, but if you would like to, if you guys know me, I like to sort of jump around a little bit. So we'll be in Philippians chapter four, and we're going to start in verse six. Um, but really quick, just a quick background on Philippians. Um, Paul is writing this book from prison. He is sitting in a prison, and he's writing it to the people of Philippi. He's writing to the Philippians, and he is um, basically saying that in this book, the greatest thing we can do, what we should do every day, is try to advance the gospel. Try to share God's word, try and share who Jesus is, talk to people, share it. And he thinks that the best way to advance the gospel is to be unified, is to work together. Teamwork is better than the individual, right? That, that whole idea. And then when we get to sort of our part, he starts talking also about, well, then to be unified, we need to work also on ourselves. Two people that are happy will probably work better together than two people who are unhappy. Two people who are you know, peaceful are probably more likely to work better together than two people who are constantly frustrated and angry. And so we're going to pick it up here in um, Philippians 4. We're going to start in verse 6, and we're going to go all the way to 13. Here's what Paul says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to, how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, I love this text. I love um, this conversation Paul is having with these Philippians. Um, there is an acronym I would love for us to hold on to this morning and hopefully take away with. Um, and I, I, I get this acronym from this text, and that acronym is going to be ATP. Now, to anyone who, know, who took a biology class or really knows anything about the human body, you'll probably recognize ATP as basically like 
the energy source for your body. It carries energy to the cells. And if I'm correct, I'm gonna look and see if people are right. I think it stands for adenosine triphosphate. Boom, Lindsay's giving me a nod. Nailed it. Um, uh, my acronym is hopefully a little bit easier than that because that was hard for me to memorize. It only took me 45 minutes. Um, but similar to ATP giving energy to your body, my hope is that this, these resources Paul is giving us are, are energy for our soul, energy for our mental health, energy for our heart, um, to help us stay motivated, to help us to be encouraged. And these initials are, they stand for ask, they stand for think and practice. Ask, think, and practice, A-T-P. So we're first gonna start with the A, ask. I'm gonna go back here, I'm gonna start in verse six, I'm gonna read two verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Ask him, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul starts off very clearly, talk to God. Ask him, make your request known to him. Say, God, where are you? What are you doing? What should I do next? What should I be doing with my day today? God, where are you? I don't feel you. Whatever it is, we are called in everything to ask God, to let our request be made known to him. And that by doing that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, ununderstandable, will overcome us. This word supplication um, is a word maybe not all of us are know, but supplication is basically um, praying and, and doing something in a way of humbly with humility, and it's got this sense of like, not it's got a sense of begging, but not really in like a super desperate way, more in like a, it's a recognition of you on your knees, recognizing you need something from someone. So with supplication, we are called to have this posture of, God, I need you. <laughs> I need you, I humbly come to your feet and I wanna ask you, because you're a good, good father, I wanna ask you and talk with you. Um, my car is pretty junky. Um, it has a different color front bumper, it's got duct tape holding lots of stuff up, it's got 200,000 miles, which for some of you are like, no way, and some of you are like, that's not a lot. 200,000 seems like a lot to me. Um, I one time looked up its value, it is valued on Kelly Blue Book for $100. <laughs> Yep, thank you, Clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's not all the car's fault, so that's how I drive it. But um, So in theory, if you pay $110 for my car, you are paying 10% over. <laughs> um, and be, because of that, I, I have honestly, I've had, I've been wanting to get a new car for a long time, a really long time. And I mean, talk about like basic anxieties, but like there's so many cars and there's so many ways to get cars. There's a thousand apps and I, I'm looking, I'm like, do I want a truck? Cause I love the outdoors. Do I want a hybrid? Cause it's better gas mileage. Do I want electric? It's more expensive, but it's the future. And I'm just like bogging my mind. And I'm like sitting for like hours on these websites trying to find the right car. Because right now I don't even let my wife drive my car. I just like, I don't want to trust it. Like if it breaks, another break on me than on you. And um, for the last couple of months, I have been asking God and talking with him and saying, God, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I, even something as basic as, as your car, I think God cares about. And so I've been talking and asking with him. And there was this one morning where I, I did that prayer again. I prayed for um, a lot of things, but one of them was this car. And I start driving in my car. I turn it on and just start driving. And it just like the bottom half just like shakes. Like you feel like you're on like the teacup ride or something. And and I'm driving, and I'm like, this car is just junk. Like, this is terrible. And then I was driving on the freeway, and all of a sudden, I can't explain it. This, this, this emotion, this force, something just came over me, and I was just like, huh, this car's fine. 
this car's fine. It's, it's working. I'm driving. I'm being completely fine. And I, all of a sudden, in an instant, I, I do not understand why. I just all of a sudden felt really content with my car. And I was really happy. And I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, my car works great. And I, that happened like probably two or three weeks ago. And I've like not really looked up any car since. And I haven't really thought about it. My anxiety about a car, honestly, for that specific thing completely went away. And it was an understanding I don't fully get. I, it just, this peace just came over me. And, I, and then I read this and I'm like, oh, because that's what Paul's telling you. When we ask and we talk with God, he helps to work with your heart to guard it, to protect it. Even with something as simple as getting a new car, he just wants you to feel peaceful, content. And it also calls us to do, ask him in everything. I, I mean, I would encourage all of us, including myself, that in the next coming days, weeks, try your best to talk with God as much as you possibly can. Like, as much as you can, which I understand might sound really daunting, and it might sound scary. And it is daunting, and it is kind of scary, because it's hard to talk to him every second of every day. When I was about to get married, when I was engaged, I thought, okay, I want to get in, like, really good shape for my wedding day. Just set up super unhealthy expectations for the rest of marriage. But... (laughs) I, I ended up getting this app that tracks your calories, and I, for like a couple months, tracked every single calorie possible. Like if a friend of mine like gave me like a little bite of a sandwich, I tracked it. Like every ounce of everything, every gram, every everything, and it was honestly pretty exhausting. But as you can imagine, after the wedding, which was two and a half years ago, I haven't really opened the app once. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, what's interesting is that even though I don't look at the app anymore, because I did it for so long, I just naturally kind of count things anyway. I just am eating my meal, and I'm like, oh, this is 900 calories. Oh, this is Taco Bell, so it's 3,600. Um, and I, I love Taco Bell. But I, it just sort of it became, it became second nature. I don't think about it. It doesn't cause me frustration or anxiety or stress. I just naturally kind of secondhandedly count. Um, and I think in a similar way, if we practice constantly talking to God, constantly trying to be like, hey, wake up every morning. Hey, God, just saying hey to God. Brushing your teeth. What's up, God? Go on and drive, get lunch, whatever it is. I think that eventually, even though it's a little bit of a grind in the beginning, or may feel that way, eventually it will become second nature. And you just start to wake up and you're talking with God without even noticing it. It just happens naturally. And if we do that, we have a peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. So that's the A, that's ask. Then we have T, think. Paul continues in verse 8. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, I think Paul here means two, two things we should be thinking about. One is, I think he just means, think about things that are good. Think about things that make you happy. Think about sunsets. Think about mountains. Think about songs you love. Think about, think about loved ones. Think about foods you like. Think about art you love. Heck, if you love the color blue, think about the color blue. I think he's just saying, keep healthy, positive thoughts in your head. Fill them with your head. There's uh, a study um, done a couple years ago where they took two groups of people, about 100 people in each group. One group of people, they measured, um, they, it was a test for your mental capacity as it affects your like muscle gain. And so they had these people, they, they took their BMI, their, their test, they figured out where their body was, and then they gave them a workout regimen. And they did this rigorous workout regimen for about a month. And they came back and they saw increased muscle growth in all these people. They worked out, they did it. The other group of people, they did the same thing, they measured them, measured where their bodies were at. Then they gave them the same workout regimen and they said, don't you dare lift a weight, but for an hour a day, I want you to think about doing this regimen. 
and walk through each workout. But think about it. Don't do it. Just think about it. So just sit on your couch and go, okay, curls. Okay, squat. Okay, yeah, I'm going to squat. Okay. And just think about it. And so they're not actually supposed to squat. They're just supposed to literally sit there and think about it. They're not supposed to move their arm. They're supposed to think about it. Okay, curl. Okay, yeah, squat. Wow, I'm really fast. Yeah, okay, great. <laughs> and after a month, they brought those people back. And those people had increased muscle growth in the same spots as the other people. Not nearly as high, mind you, but they had muscle growth in every single area that the other people did. What we think about, what we focus on, has actual physical implications. Thinking about something positively can affect our brain chemistry, can affect our positive mind. It can actually help us to be more happy, more content, more encouraging going forward. I also think another thing he's asking us to think about is not just things that we like and things that are lovely, but also things that are morally good. You know, think about giving to the needy. Think about, you know, fasting. Think about praying. Think about God. Think about worship. Think about these things that are just good. I love what Brian said last week when it came to giving. He had us open up our phones and, you know, look, look at a charity. He didn't ask us to give, but he said even just the thought of thinking of giving is such a good thing for the mind. It's such a good thing for the body. We are just asked to just simply think. Put good thoughts in our head and things, good things happen. So we have ask and we have think. Next is the P, we have practice. We can pick it up here right in the next verse. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. Now, by, I, I think by practice, Paul means one, practice what I just told you, ask and think. Practice talking to God, practice doing it. Practice thinking about good things. Do that, work on it, practice. I also think he means practice some of the things that you're thinking about. Practice, you know, you thinking about a sunset? Go see a sunset. You love, you like sunrises? Wake up early and go see a sunrise. Don't just think about that song, listen to that song. Don't just think about that loved one, give them a call. Whatever that may be, I think he wants us to also practice the things that we're thinking about. And I think that also includes some of those morally good things. I think, he, well, I think he's making it very clear. Thinking about fasting is good. That's happy and immense, but also practice fasting. Also practice giving to people. Practice giving your time, your resources. And by practicing these things, we have the God of peace will be with us. One cool practice I've seen people do is they will buy, they'll go to like Costco or Walmart or something and just buy like a big case of water maybe run you like eight bucks or something, and you just put it in the backseat of your car, and you just have it there, and if you happen to ever see someone who's in need or someone holding up a sign, maybe, you just have a water bottle, big, big old smile on your face, and you hand them a water. And I think that's great because, one, people need water. Give them a smile, encourage people, but also it gets your mind to continue to think, to, to have this water, and you're driving, and you're now more aware of people around you, and you're looking around, and you're like, oh, but who can I help today? Who can I love on today? It doesn't have to be anything big. You don't have to like drive around like Uber Eats waiting for people. You could do that. But also you're just driving home from work. You just have a water. It gets our mind more thinking positively on more things. If you want to go even extra, I've seen people, um, I like it, sometimes people get like plastic baggies and you fill in those plastic baggies, a granola bar, a water, socks. Socks are huge. Socks. Um, I, I, I think people also sometimes put like a $5 gift card to like a grocery store or, or fast food or just to something. And also I've seen people write just like a note and make like 10 of these bags and write a quick note and it just says like, you are loved. Just like you have value. Like you are someone who is loved and has something to give to this world and God loves you. You know, it's just a little note, pop it in there. 
And again, while you're making these bags, you're still thinking. You're thinking about these people. You're putting these positive vibes. And I know that might seem like more work, but we, we are told here that this will provide opportunities for us to feel peace, for us to think about good things and to do good things, thinking about it. And I love this phrase, the God of peace will be with you. Previously, if you ask, you have the peace of God, which surpasses. And then when you practice, you have the God of peace. And so I like that it's phrased differently because I picture um, like if you were to go to a master swordsman and a master swordsman would give you his sword. You have it, you're holding it in his hand, you have his sword. And then you go into battle, not only do you have his sword, but he's fighting with you. You don't just have the swordsman's sword, you also have the swordsman with you. We don't just have the peace of God with us. We also have the God of peace with us. We aren't just going into battle. We're not going into these frustrating, anxious moments, hoping that just our peace holds on to us. But we also have God who's sitting there guarding us, protecting us, and loving us. I love thinking about God just hanging out with me. And I, he, I have his peace, but he just keeps helping. He just keeps tossing more and more and more. ATP, ask think and practice. And then if we have these things, this tells us we'll start feeling a little bit more content, a little bit more peaceful. But Paul doesn't stop there. He keeps going. And so we'll pick it up here in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, that last verse, 413, is probably one of the most popular verses in at least America. And usually that verse is used when like, there's probably an athlete, you know, someone's like, I can do anything. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. You know, they have a tattooed on their bodies. They have it written on their shoes and like a basketball game. Like I can win this game because I could do anything. I can get that job. I can do anything because I have Christ who strengthens me. And we look at this verse, I think, a lot of times through a lens of achievement, through a lens of overcoming. And I will by no means suggest that that is incorrect. But what I am going to quickly suggest is that that's not as accurate as this text maybe is suggesting. So we're gonna do, really quickly, we're gonna be a little nerdy, we're gonna do a quick little bit of exegesis, which is a fancy word, but all that really means is we're going to be like basically dissecting and figuring out what is actually being said here. Um, my wife, when my wife says, Austin, I'm cold, I need to exegete that, and see, she's actually saying, Austin, get me a blanket. <laughs> Austin, turn up the heat. Austin, I'm hungry. Are you just hungry or are you saying, make me food? <laughs> So in the same way, we want to exegete and see what he means when he says, I can do all things. And so for me, verse 13, we cling to this phrase, all things. I think that's a lot of times the emphasis, right? It's, it's God's strength can get me through anything, all things. And I think that's true. I think that's perfect theology. I think that's great. God can help you do anything. He can do anything. But also, let me give you guys a quick scenario. Now, let's say I asked, or each of you individually asked me to go out to lunch, so each of us individually, one-on-one, -on -one, we're all going out to lunch. And you ask me, Austin, what would you like for lunch? And I say, anything, anything. I'll eat anything. Um, you know, all the things. Eat it, whatever. Just, just, I want food. 
Now, what I mean, what, what could be translated by that is, you know, you know, you could get Chipotle, you could get Chick-fil-A, you could get, you go to the grocery store and get mints. I don't know. You could, you could just make a salad. You could go to Ruth Chris. Like, saying anything, all of that is encompassed in all things. But now let's say that we go to lunch, and because I'm choosing, I choose Taco Bell because it's the greatest restaurant on God's green earth. <laughs> now... <laughs> We walk, into, we walk into Taco Bell, and you ask me, Austin, what do you want to eat? And I say, oh, anything. Uh, I'll, anything, all the things, whatever, a- any of it. Now that same phrase, anything or all things, is now referencing the Taco Bell menu. It's narrower. It's saying, based on this menu, I want anything. So even though it's the same phrase, it's actually used a little bit differently. Now I'm not saying that I want Ruth's Chris or lobster. What I'm saying is I want a cheesy gordita crunch. I want that three-bean burrito. That's what I need. <laughs> And so in that same way that that phrase, all things, is depending on the context, Paul here is saying, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He can do all the things he's previously mentioned within his context, within his menu of Philippians, meaning he can do ATP through Christ who strengthens him. He can always ask God. He can always think. He can always practice. He can always do these things through Christ who strengthens him. More importantly, he can be content in any situation through Christ who strengthens him, meaning Instead of just, you know, I can do all things for, through achievement, he's like, even if I don't achieve it, I can be content. That's the strength of God. Even if I'm stuck in the low, I can still be content because that's the strength of God. I need God no matter what. That I'm going to still try to achieve, and even if I don't, even if I fall short, even if I'm stuck, I can still be perfectly happy in a state of peaceful happiness. I can do all things. And Paul here is, like I said, stuck in prison, and he's stuck in prison. Most of us would probably hate that, and he's probably shackled to a wall. He's probably, I mean, if it's cold, they're not giving him a blanket. He's probably, he's got, um, probably got weather situations, too. A lot of times they left the top open, so he's probably cold. And Paul is constantly asking and talking with God in this book. He's asking God, what should we do, what should we do, what should we do? He is constantly thinking. He talks constantly in this book about how he's just thinking about the people around him. He's thinking about the people Philippians, and they give him happiness. He's like, oh, I just thought about you, and it made me feel better. I thought about your ministry. And he can still practice things. It says that he preaches to the guards. He looks at the guard, and he's like, look at this. I can still talk to the guards about God. This is great. My life's great. In chapter 2, he, he, he sings. He starts singing in prison. Paul knows that no matter what life throws at him, no matter what situation he's in, he's teaching us that we can still always be perfectly content because we have God. We have the God of peace with us. We have the peace of God with us at all times, and nothing can take that away. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If I get that job, I'm content. If I don't get that job, I can still be content. All things, high and low. And also, a lot of us know that just because we're in a good situation, maybe we're healthy and wealthy, doesn't necessarily mean that your anxiety is gone. It doesn't mean your frustration's gone. It doesn't mean that, you know, all, your life doesn't just get magically better just when you abound. And I like that Paul says, not even when I abound, I'm, am I content. Just because you're abounding, just because you have plenty, doesn't mean that you are content. The secret to any of this is not to get into a better place. It's to be, feel better about where you're at. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We need the strength of God to help us when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling frustrated, when we've twisted our ankle of our mental health. We need God. We need his strength to help us to talk to him, 
Help us to ask him questions, to think about him. We need his help when it comes to practicing. Every second, every minute, every hour, every day, we need God. And then if we put that with supplication and prayer, we give our all to God. We have a peace that's beyond all understanding. We have a contentment. Um, I, there was a verse in here, uh, a couple, uh, a couple um, like a chapter back that I, I just really liked really quick. And Paul says here in chapter three, verse 20, he says, um, concerning, don't worry about things of the earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Stand firm in the Lord. Mental health is not something that says that you are far away from God. God is constantly chasing you. Stand firm. My encouragement this morning is that we would all think a little bit more about God. Talk to God a little bit more. Stand firm in who he is and his promises. And trust that even when we don't sense it, we don't feel it, we don't know if it's coming, that the peace of God is a promise to us. Will you guys please pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we are troubled people. Our minds are full of so many things, so many ideas, so many, so many ways to feel anxious, to feel frustrated. God, we are not strong enough on our own to bow down and worship you. We're not strong enough on our own to constantly be praying and talking and trusting you, God. We need your strength. We need you to show us you. So God, our prayer this morning is that you would just light a fire in our hearts, a fire in our souls. Help us to fall more in love with you. Help us to find more joy in you. Help us to be washed over by this peace that goes beyond all understanding. And we thank you for walking with us as the God of peace. You do not want to cause more chaos for us. You do not want us want to cause more guilt, more shame. You want us to feel content and happy and peaceful with you. And so God, our, our, our prayer this morning is that we recognize that in every moment, God, we need you and we need your strength. And we thank you that you happily provide it and you withhold nothing. In your perfect, perfect name, amen.